as we gather on this wondrous Feast of Pentecost. I hope that you all have been doing your homework as I've been instructing you, and I hope you are ready, and I hope that you can feel the presence of the Spirit that is in our midst, that is with us, that is waiting to come out and overshadow us and overpower us with His might. Uh -uh. No, I'm not seeing it. I don't see it. I mean, if you're going to sit there like mopes on a like little moping people, I mean, how is the Spirit going to work in us? Do you realize what the Spirit is going to the potential of doing? You're looking at me like I have ten heads. My brothers and sisters, this is reality. And this is what the church has lost in its appreciation and understanding of the great gifts of the Spirit. And so what we must do, my brothers and sisters, is be renewed, first of all, with our understanding of what the Holy Spirit is all about, so we know what we possess. We possess the Holy Spirit. The St. Paul says that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But at times I think we're just empty shells, because we do not acknowledge most of us, we think, about, we think about the Spirit, maybe at baptism, but more at confirmation, and then it's done and over with. That is where it just gets started after confirmation. The Word of God tells us this morning, and in order to appreciate Pentecost, we have to understand the significance from the Jewish understanding in salvation history. One of the things in which we read last night in the Vigil of Pentecost, which was not the readings today, but we read from the book of Genesis, which reminded us of, again, the pride of mankind, that they desired to build a tower to reach heaven, so that they can become God themselves. We know that as the story of the Tower of Babel. And so what God had done in order to prevent that from happening is he gave them different languages and spread them throughout the whole world. And so we see that with sin comes disunity. And now, on the, and then we have to go next to uh, Sinai, the Exodus, and when God made his covenant with Israel, he gave his covenant at Sinai. And as the people gathered around Mount Sinai, and as God was giving his law to Moses, the Holy Spirit descended upon that gathering as flames and wind. Didn't happen the first time on Pentecost. Throughout the working of the Holy Spirit, he comes as fire and wind. He's a God, the Holy Spirit, you know, existed in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. He's not identified, but it's not like God said, okay, I'm opening up the closet and you're out free and free and free and clear after Jesus. No. And with Jesus, he comes to us in a specific, more unique, more intimate way. And so the Feast of Pentecost was a Jewish feast. Hopefully you know this. Pentecost is not unique to Catholics or Christians. Pentecost was a Jewish feast. It was one of the three major feasts that required all of Israel to gather in Jerusalem. And it was the Feast of the Harvest, always 50 days after Passover. So 50 days after Passover, Israel again was gathered in Jerusalem in the Holy City. And as the Word of God tells us in the Acts of the Apostles, they were from all over. And not only did you catch the line that was, uh, was uh, St. Luke gave to us, 
to remind us that they were not just Jews by birth, but they were Jews by conversion. So you had all the nations gathered together, and the apostles, through the power of the Spirit, spoke the word of God to these people who were gathered, and in doing so, they all heard in their own language. The apostles did not speak the languages of these people. The apostles spoke in their native language, but it was heard in the language in which they understood. And so you have, in Christ, we see a unity. God is restoring what original sin lost for us. He is restoring us once again to the promise of eternal life with the angels and the saints, which begin here and now with the unity that we profess as believers in Christ Jesus. Devil disunity. God unity. All Christians should be one. There should not be this multiplication of denominations that exists in the world today, 32,000 at last time I checked. We are supposed to be one in Christ. That is the intention. That was the, what the Holy Spirit in Pentecost was reminding us. As Jesus tells us, he comes to us in truth. Well, now there's a hiccup right there. Because we live in a world that denies truth. We live in a world that says what's true for me may not be true for you. And so then we have to accept. We have to accept the truth of these people who are so far away from objective truth. And yet they want us to believe this logical fallacy that says there is no objective truth, which they present to us as objective truth. So how am I, if there's no objective, tr if there's no objective truth, I don't have to believe anything they tell me. But that's what they want us to believe. And that is the situation that, that we are living in. And that is why you and I, my brothers and sisters, are empowered by the Holy Spirit to confess and to profess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord of the universe. He is Lord of our lives. And we desire all people to come to the knowledge of that truth we find in Christ. That is what we're that, and this is what the awesome Feast of Pentecost reminds us of. Pentecost in the Jewish feast was a harvest feast. It was a thanksgiving for the harvest and the fruit of the land. Now, interesting. Why is it that God would choose the feast of the harvest, recognizing the fruitfulness of the land, to send the Holy Spirit? Well, isn't it interesting that St. Paul... Did you hear what St. Paul was talking about? He was talking about what? The fruits of the Spirit. Was he really? Yes! He was talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Did you hear them? Did you, do you know them? Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. We only possess these fruits if we have the life of the Spirit within us. If you are lacking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control, you do not possess the fullness of the Spirit. And that's a wake-up call for us. It is a wake-up call for us when we don't possess those fruits to remind ourselves of our need to pray for that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That Spirit who doesn't just give us fruits, fruits is the reality, fruits to the manifestation of the Spirit at work in our lives. But the Spirit comes to us with sevenfold gifts, with seven gifts of the Spirit. Now, my teacher instinct so wants to give a pop quiz. <laughs> I want to ask you all to just take out a piece of paper, write your name on the top of the paper, and just list for me the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Don't even tell me what they are. Just say, what are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? And then what do we have? What do we have? I, I said, well, the previous Mass has got a big fat F. <laughs> because we do not appreciate. Now, luckily, I know as pastor, in the fourth, in the 17 years I have been a pastor, seven here and 10 in my other parish, everyone who was confirmed at my parish had to know the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. They had to memorize them. They had to commit them to memory. Because these gifts, when we think of a gift, we think of a we think of a package, a present, nicely wrapped. If you get a present from somebody, do you just put it on the shelf when it's wrapping paper and say, oh, that's such beautiful wrapping. Let's just put it right there on the dining room table. And let me just look at that wrapping for the rest of my life. No! No, and depending on if it's something you're expecting or prepared for, sometimes you dive into that and rip that paper to shreds to get to the gift. This is what we should be doing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We should be ripping those gifts open so that we can truly possess them within ourselves. But if I don't know I even have the gifts, how can I open them? I'll give you an acronym because your homework assignment, please cipher fit in case I forget, is to memorize the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Puffwick, Puffwick, P-U-F-F-W-C-K. Yes, I know there's no I in it, but you gotta remember the Puffwick. Piety, understanding, fortitude, fear of the Lord, wisdom, counsel, knowledge. Those are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now we don't need all those seven gifts at one time, but throughout our lives, we need one of those gifts. Right this very moment and this day, each one of us needs one of those seven gifts. If we don't know that we have that gift available to us, we don't know to call upon the Spirit to help us, to, to unfold, to empower us with that gift that He so wants to share with us. And so what is piety? Piety is that I may find the service of God sweet and amiable. I find doing what God wants me to do joy-filled. Ooh, isn't that a fruit of the Holy Spirit? Oh, look, it's a fruit too. <laughs> They're interconnected if you didn't realize that. You know, I think maybe you should memorize the fruits also. <laughs> Who knows how much homework you're going to have by the end of this homily. <laughs> so we have the, the piety, the service of God, amiable, joy-filled. 
Are we joyful doing what the Lord asks us to? I would dare say most often we're not joyful about it, we're begrudging about it. I have to love this person, I have to forgive this person, never, it's not going to happen. That's not a possession of the Spirit within you. The Spirit, the Spirit gives us joy. This is understanding. What is understanding? It is to enlighten the mind with the light of divine truth. It is to enlighten the mind with the light of divine truth, recognizing that truth is of God. All truth, whether, whatever it may be, is of God and reveals to us something about God. The law of gravity. That is a truth. None of us walk around floating in space. Now you can say, in this society, you can say, I don't believe in the law of gravity. The law of gravity has no effect on me. Well, you can say that all you want, but you're affected by the law of gravity because it's an objective truth. You are born male or female. That is a truth. Now, sadly, there are some people who, through psychological difficulty, do not appreciate that and understand that. We don't condemn them. We pray for them. We try to enable them to help to see the light of truth. But we don't allow them to manipulate themselves to a falsity. And yet, that's what we're doing. That is what we're doing in the world today. And nobody is saying anything about it. Because, why? We don't want to hurt people's feelings. Oh my gosh, Lord. <laughs> Did that hurt when you hung on that tree? Did that not hurt you? And yet that hurt brought about the greatest salvation of the human, of the human world, of the planet, of the universe. Hurting is a part of a consequence of original sin. But that does not mean we deny truth so someone feels good with a lie. When we endorse a lie as truth, we give in to the promptings of the devil, the prince of lies. And this is what the world is stuck at right now. The devil has a great power over the world in which we live to say that what is true is false and what is false and true, to discontent, discon dis misunderstanding, the devil loves that. And you and I, as believers of the Lord, who possess the Holy Spirit, we are to be uh, enlightened in the truth and witness to the truth to our dying breath. The beautiful sequence we heard, Veni Sancte Spiritu, Come, Holy Spirit, come. We, it was sung in Latin. Last night after the 4 o'clock Mass, come on, why do we have to say it in Latin? I don't understand it. 1,800 years. For 1,800 years, these words echoed through every pulpit throughout the known Catholic world. And by restating, singing these words today, here in Brooksville in 2021, we throw out a beacon of light 1,800 years ago. We sent out a beacon of light 1,800 years in the future. 
uniting ourselves with all Christians who profess their belief in Christ Jesus, and we are united with them in proclaiming and witnessing the power of the Holy Spirit. Latin is a language that is, as we refer to it, as a dead language. They only speak Latin in the Vatican city-state. Not everyone speaks it. It can't, be, it can't be manipulated. As you and I know, words change over time. Latin doesn't have that problem. So Latin is a universal, a unifying language. Whether we understand it or not, allowing yourself, assenting with your mind and your will to what is proclaimed in those words, whether you understand it or not, is not the point. The point isn't to understand necessarily the words. The point is to accept what those words mean with regards to the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. If that's the only thing you know of the Veni Sancti Spiritu, that's enough. That's enough. If we really mean it with our hearts, because the Holy Spirit was going to do what? Guide us in truth. The Holy Spirit is going to let us know everything we need to know about what is necessary to get to heaven. Counsel. No. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. So we go to uh, fortitude. High understanding fortitude. Fortitude. To bear my cross with the Lord, to overcome with courage all the obstacles that prevent me from carrying the cross. So fortitude enables me to be strong in the sufferings which I'm going to endure. Because if you didn't realize it yet, at this point in your life, all of us suffer. To some, in some degree, in some shape and form, we all suffer. And we're called to unite that suffering to that of Christ on the cross. And that gift of fortitude enables us and helps and strengthens us to do what we're called to do. Fear of the Lord is a loving reverence towards God and dread in any way to displease Him. So fear of the Lord is fearing the fact of displeasing the one whom you love the most, or you should love the most, God, who's your Creator, who's your Father, who saves you through His Son. So fear of the Lord isn't being afraid that you're going to go to ancient double hockey sticks, Fear of the Lord is a fear of hurting the one whom you love. All of us don't want those who we love to be, to be hurt by our actions, especially if we deliberately do them. And so the fear of the Lord helps us, the Holy Spirit helps us to stay in union with the Lord. Wisdom. To despise the perishable things of this world and aspire only after the things that are eternal. To recognize that this world is passing. You can have the biggest bank account. You could be the poorest of the poor. All of that is meaningless because all of us are united in one in Christ and have the same reward of eternity. Rich person can't buy their way into heaven. A poor person who's poor is not going to be prevented from getting to heaven because they don't have the fee to get in. All through the love of God are being created on this planet 
are privileged to enter into eternity. And therefore, there is no greater or lesser. Remember, Jesus says, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. He upsets the apple cart. He doesn't follow worldly wisdom. Counsel, that I may ever choose the surest way of pleasing God and gaining heaven. So counsel helps you to figure out, how do I please God? Very often, you and I are aware of what is good and what is bad. So making a decision is not always as complicated. A decision comes when both choices are good. Well, in, those, in these two good choices, which one is most pleasing to God that is going to bring me closer to Him? That is going to bring about my holiness? That is what counsel helps me to see. And then lastly, knowledge. That I may know God and know myself and grow in the wisdom of the saints. I have to know what makes me tick. I have to know my strengths and my weaknesses if I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to take possession of me. I have to know what's, what's, what is my disposition, what sins I'm disposed to so I can avoid those behaviors or those activities that is going to cause me to fall into sinfulness. Counsel is the gift of the Spirit that helps me to know that, to discern that. You know, if I'm, if I'm plagued by gossip, then I have to make sure that I don't go to the break room on break, where I'm going to be around other co-workers and just gossip, gossip, gossip. And if others tell me I can't have coffee on my coffee break, I'm not saying that. I'm saying bring your own coffee in a mug, a thermal mug, and drink it outside. Because you know that if you go to that break room, you're going to wind up gossiping. Do we have to know? And we have to know, we have to, allow, we have to allow that gift of knowledge and that gift of understanding and counsel to interact with each other. Because we possess this great gift of the Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters, we have a God who loves us, who saves us. We have a God who not only has manifested himself by taking on flesh and walking among us, but who leaves with us the Holy Spirit to enable us to be guided in truth. You and I, sadly, do not take advantage of this gift. We, live it, we leave it nicely wrapped on our dining room table, our bedroom, on our bedroom uh, end table somewhere, and don't open and unpack this wondrous gift he gives to us. On this day when we close our Easter season, we are reminded that this is the day the Lord has made. We rejoice and we are glad. Because God loves us, he saves us. He is the Lord of our lives and the Lord of the universe. And he sends forth to each of us the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower and strengthen us. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.